0: Well, greetings and great to be back with you today. This is David Carnes and this is the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And you know what a joy it is to know that God speaks. He does and He speaks to His people and He speaks through His scriptures. And so we get to spend time together today just listening to what God has to say to us. And it is just a blessing to be able to do this. But today. We are continuing our look at the first miracle of Jesus, Jesus turning water into wine, and Jesus doing this at a wedding in a little village called Cana. Now, by the way, we are in the first part of John chapter 2, but now we're spending this week again just looking at the very first part of the public ministry of Jesus. Again, he is in Cana, he is at this wedding. Now, you remember back on Monday, we looked at the wedding. Point one, we actually referred to as the wedding. But now, as we move into point number two in the text, we are going to call this point the predicament. And we're gonna find that the predicament was that the wine ran out at the wedding. And so we're going to look at this, plenty to see here, plenty to learn, but again, just a fascinating text, and we're just walking through this throughout this week. And specifically, now today, we are in John chapter 2 and verses 3 through 5. And so with all that said, let me take us into the text now. Let's see what God has to say to us. And so here we go as we spend time in God's Word. Here's point number two, as we just walk through this. Point number two, the predicament. Write that down. There was the predicament. Now we see this in verses three through five. And let me say that I think we would all uh, all agree, no one likes a wrench thrown into well-laid plans. We don't like that. But understand, time was spent preparing for this celebration, and then something happened that could at best be called a predicament. Look at verse number three with me. In verse number three, it says this. It says, the text says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Stop right there. Now, as John the Apostle writes this, understand he he really wastes no time declaring the issue here. He gets right to the point. What is it? The wine ran out. And remember now, but the bridegroom, he was responsible for all of this. He's responsible for this celebration. And for something like this to happen, that does not bode well. He's not looking good at this point. Everyone's looking at the bridegroom thinking, so is this man responsible or what? Is he going to be able to provide for his wife? What kind of man is this? <laughs> and so this, again, does not bode well for the bridegroom. But now with that said, let me do this at this point, And that is, let me just focus on the wine for a moment. I want to do this. And I, I want to do this simply because there is always such a misunderstanding. There is always such a disconnect when it comes to wine in scripture. And it's always good, I think, that we can just take a minute to look at this. And what I mean by all of this is there is a true misunderstanding when what wine was for the most part in the days of Jesus and what wine is today. And so just a quick study on wine then in Scripture. Listen to this. But understand wine in the days of Jesus. Do you know what it was? Really, it was water with a very small percentage of juice, whether that was grape juice, whether that was some other kind of fruit. And when you study this, what you find is that on average, wine or what they called wine in the days of Jesus was around one part juice to three parts water. That's what it averaged. And what needs to be understood is that for the most part, everyone basically drank wine. Everybody did. And the reason is, the water was not pure. The water was not purified, it was dirty. And so, to purify the water, juice would be added. And the people knew, by the way, that the fruit juice would ferment, it would, because there was no refrigeration, so it would ferment, it would turn to alcohol, and that is why they would dilute the fruit juice to such an extent, By the way, is it fermented? It would kill the germs. It would kill the things in the water that would make you sick. The people knew this. By the way, there are some studies and articles out there that you can read that are just fascinating concerning all this. Let me just share something with you. This past week, I was looking things up. I was reading an article from a man by the name of Charles Quarles, a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. That, by the way, the seminary that I attended. And he made the point that in the ancient world that anyone, and listen to this, anyone that drank wine without diluting it with water was actually thought of as a barbarian. Only the the barbarians, only the evil in society would drink undiluted wine. Dr. Quarles even went on to write that it has been found in Jewish writings that wine that has not been diluted with at least three parts water was not truly wine. It would not be referred to that in that way. And so I just give you this because in part, I have heard Christians say from time to time, well, Jesus drank wine, so it's okay for you to drink wine. It's okay for anybody to drink alcohol. Now, let me say this even though the Bible does not give a mandate against the drinking of alcohol, we just all need to understand that the wine in the days of Jesus would not even be considered an alcoholic beverage today. Wouldn't even come close. But again, true wine in the days of Jesus simply diluted grape juice and that grape juice in the water for the purpose of purifying the water. That's what's going on there. But that's your little lesson today on wine. But we go back to the point. We go back to the predicament. The wine ran out. And the people need something to drink. Remember, this is a ceremony that could go on for a week. And again, what a huge embarrassment this is for the bridegroom. By the way, you look back at verse number 3, and the text says that Mary went to Jesus, told him that there was no more wine. There's no wine. Something interesting here, but there have been some, by the way, who have said that Mary made the announcement to Jesus because Mary was somehow involved with the events of the wedding celebration itself. We don't know that. I mean, that's just an assumption, that there. But then there is the question here that can be raised at this point, and that is, why would Mary do what she did? Why would Mary go to Jesus about all of this? Why not just go to the bridegroom? He's the one responsible, right? Why not go to Him? That, by the way, is a question that people will ask. And what's interesting is, when answering that question, one some will say that Mary went to Jesus because she expected Jesus to work some kind of miracle at this point. Let me say this to you. I, I tend to have an issue with that kind of thinking. Now, the issue would be, Why would she think at this point in time that Jesus would now work a miracle? In that, I mean, 30 years have gone by and she's never seen Jesus work one miracle, so why does she think He's going to do it now? If you're going to ask that question and you're going to think that way. But with that said, here's what I believe. Let me just share this with you. Why Mary would go to Jesus when this predicament occurred. But hear me on this. But whenever Mary had an issue to arise, whenever she had a problem to come up, who do you think she would go to? Who do you think? Let me give you the answer. The answer is Jesus. She would go to Jesus. Remember at this point in time, by the way, Joseph, Mary's husband, more than likely he's dead. And so with that being the case, Jesus then would have stepped up. He would have been the head of the home. And so again, when a problem would arise, who would Mary go to? Mary would go to Jesus. And understand this. Think about this. But Jesus, who is God, this just simply means every time she would approach Jesus with a problem, don't you think He always had the right solution? Yeah. Don't you think He had the right answer? Absolutely. he would. Don't you think, by the way, he would know exactly, always, he would know exactly what to do? <laughs> don't you think? Yes. But then, not only that, but Jesus being God, don't you think he's always caring? I mean, when someone has a problem, he cares, right? I mean, he's full of compassion, he's full of love, and so he would see the need. People needed something to drink. And I want you to hear this, but this is why we see Mary going to Jesus at this point. She had seen great perfect wisdom as Jesus became the head of the home after the death of, Je- uh, of Joseph. And so Mary goes to him, and let me just pose this question, but why wouldn't she? Of course she would. <laughs> but then you go to verse number four. Look at it. with me. In verse number four, it says, and Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, as we just walk through all of this, let me say this is a very interesting statement that comes from Jesus. This is how Jesus responds to Mary. And let me just say this, we're just going to cut to the chase, but let me say this is what we could call a statement of separation that Jesus just made with Mary. A statement of separation. You say, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, first of all, you notice that when responding to Mary, how does He refer to her? Does he refer to her as mother? No. He refers to her as woman, doesn't he? Yes. And understand this, this is not a harsh word, but it's not an intimate word either. It's not. By the way, in studying this, what I found is this word, it's similar to when someone refers to a woman as ma'am. It's a word of respect, right? But it's not an intimate word. Again, it's not the word like you would use the word mother. And let me share this, but again, at this point, what Jesus is doing is he's actually breaking away from Mary at this point. That's what he's doing. And what I mean by that is Jesus knows that at this moment on that day, things are changing and they're changing quickly. His ministry is going public that day. And it is at that point that Mary, she is no longer the authority figure in his life as a mother raising a son. And again, on that day, when his ministry would begin, Mary would not play any role in this ministry, right? None whatsoever. And again, she was no longer any type of authority figure in the life of Jesus. As a matter of fact, you look back at verse number four and Jesus goes on to say to Mary, what does this have to do with me? You see that? Now that's an interesting statement. Let's just look at that. As I studied that statement, I came to find that what Jesus said at that point to Mary was, and this statement literally can be read this way, your concern and my concern are not the same. That's what that means. Interesting, isn't it? In other words, Mary isn't thinking about the start of the ministry of Jesus here. What's she thinking about? She's thinking about how can we get some more wine? What's Jesus thinking about? Jesus is saying, this is the beginning of my ministry. And the way I'm going to begin it is through a miracle, something that is going to cause people to believe in who I am. And again, what Jesus is doing here is he is distancing himself from that mother and son relationship. And now, listen to this, he's going to begin going about the business of the father. That's what he's going to do. This is what this is all about. And let me just say this gets even more clear. As you look back at the end of verse number four, Jesus goes on to say the following, speaking to Mary. Look at verse four again at the very end of the verse. Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. Now, what is that? That is a reference to the cross. And what Jesus is saying is I'm on a mission and the mission, it's going to culminate with the cross. And right here, Jesus again says to Mary, today begins that trek to the cross. And this is something that you have nothing to do with. Nothing. Again, I'm now going about the business of the Father and you play no role in this. And so you look at verse number 4 and what we can call this is, we can call it really a statement of separation. Mary, by the way, let me just say this. She understood exactly, I believe, what Jesus was saying. She got it. I say this because you look at what she says in verse number 5. Look at that. Verse number 5 says, His mother said to the servants, Do whatever He tells you. In other words, she comes to realize the sway that she would have over Him as a mother, it's no longer. And Mary says to the servants at the wedding, You just listen to what He says. But it's an interesting moment, isn't it? Very interesting moment. It's separation in part. Jesus now going to do the business of the Father. Mary no longer having that influence over Him. And we see this take place in the midst of this predicament. What was the predicament? The wine ran out. That's point two. So there is this predicament. And when Mary needed help, When she needed answers, she went to Jesus, didn't she? She did. Now, that is what you and I need to remember, and that is what you and I need to do. I mean, he is omniscient. He does know all things, so why not follow the lead of Mary here, right? But now, this is not the end of this account. We still have the miracle that is to come, something that is going to point out the fact that Jesus is indeed God, the creator he creates. And that's coming our way next time. But again, just a wonderful text. And until we get back together, let me just say you have a blessed day and I so look forward to seeing you again as we spend time in God's word.